This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. We are, I am live in... Uh, Michigan Stadium, where Washington was defeated by Michigan 31 to 10 in front of an announced attendance of a little over 108,000 game time, three minute and 28 second. And uh, it was electric here inside the stadium, guys. I don't know if you could tell what was going on inside the stadium, but uh, this crowd in the stadium was energized from the get go. I'd say the stadium was about half full. Um, an hour before the game, it was a maze out. So all the Michigan fans were in a maze colors. So really cool atmosphere in the stadium today. And um, boy, Washington, I, they didn't handle that well. They didn't handle much well today. No, I, no, they didn't. <laughs> yeah, they didn't at all. I mean, it from start from the start to finish. Um, Kim, I know you were with us when we went to Ohio State in 2003. Um, when it was Keith Gilbertson's first game as that Washington head coach. And uh, I felt a lot of the same vibes, even, even though I wasn't there. It just felt like, you know, I, I'm writing about it right now, but it, it felt like damage limitation from the very, very first drive. It was like, well, we'll just try to make sure that we play field position. We don't turn the ball over. We'll try to keep it close, let our defense try to work as best they can. And hopefully the, the dam won't break too soon. But then, you know, maybe we can get a turnover or two or something to go our way. Maybe there's a sudden change play that, that'll turn our fortunes around. But the offense, the first half, looked so horrific. I mean, it was really, really hard to watch. Because it's, first of all, it's just an offense that just doesn't look right. It just doesn't look right. It's it doesn't. It's like an anachronism. It looks like it should be. And again, I'm not saying this like this anything new, but it just feels like it's a, an offense that you would have seen in the '70s. And so, yeah, you know, yeah, it, it's just it's, horrible. It's just it's, this is the this is the offense Jimmy wanted. He wanted the identity of a team that's able to run the football, overpower you, out physical you, and when that's the identity that you're trying to establish on a team and you can't run the football and you're getting hit in the mouth by the other guy consistently, that's not an easy recipe for a win, Scott. It isn't. And I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that the offensive line needs something. I, I don't know what it is. This, this line is too talented to not be playing well. And, um, you know, I, I think that's really what's crippling the offense. Is Dylan Morris playing well? I don't think he's playing as well as he could, but I think a lot of that has to do with the amount of times he's been hit. I think a lot of it has to do with the wide receivers not being able to even have time to get open. 
And I think when you can't establish a running game, I mean, Michigan just loaded the box. There were nine against seven. And we see that in, um, you know, spring football and, and fall camp when they run that drill. And that's one of the reasons why is because they want to be able to run the ball. And this, this offensive line is just clueless. I mean, you can tell they just don't know what they're doing. They, they, they either lack confidence or, their, their communication is bad, but one way or the other, the offensive line is really, in my opinion, the culprit behind, behind this. And I'm not saying John Donovan is doing a great job and, and that, that argument on whether he should still be here or still should be the uh, offensive coordinator will be a conversation for the entire season, but he's been handicapped by that offensive line, just playing absolutely dreadful. Yeah, you know, it's just it all starts up front with that offensive line. They can't get the run game going. And when you can't get the run game going, it makes it difficult to pass the ball. And, uh, you know, part of the other problem, too, is, you know, I'm down here on the field. And, boy, Dylan Morris, he's just locked on to guys. I mean, it's I mean, very rarely am I seeing him look into the second or third guy. It's the first guy's not open and he's staring him down the whole way. And if that guy's not there, he's just dumping it down. But, you know, a lot of the times he's got guys in his face. You're not getting the running game going. They're not respecting the, uh, the play action. And, you know, Scott, you mentioned it. I mean, they're putting nine guys in the box and they're still running it up the middle. Yeah. And I, I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's because they don't feel like they can block on the edges very well. And so they've got to run it up the middle and they think that's the strength of their team. But, you know, Luke Wattenberg wasn't getting it done. Henry Bainavalu really struggled. Um, Julius Bulow just, oh man, I just, I don't get it. And, you know, honestly, I, I just can't seem to put my finger on the, on the pulse of what's going on. I mean, other than, I mean, if we're going to just blame it on bad coaching, this blanket, it's bad coaching or it's bad players or whatever it is, it needs to get fixed. And I don't, I don't know if Washington has enough horses to get it fixed. And and this could be a very, very long season. Well, Chris, the talent's there though. I mean, I think that's what, you know, bothers a lot of people. This is a pretty good offensive line. Those running backs should be doing better. Uh, I think the quarterback situation is still suspect. Um, A lot of people want to blame the play calling. A lot of people want to blame John Donovan, but at the end of the day, this is the offense. I mean, people, I'm not convinced this is John Donovan's offense. I'm convinced that this is what Jimmy Lake wants to do. And I think it's got his foot, his fingerprints all over it. He wants to run the ball. He wants to be physical and that's what he wants to do. Yeah. It, it, it feels like he, like Jimmy tried to fit the proverbial round peg in the square hole and either doesn't have the players for it or doesn't have the coaches for it. Because I'm convinced that John Donovan is well-schooled enough in both pro style, college style, any style you want. He could, he could run you any offense you want to run. That's, that's not the issue. The issue is, do they have the players to run what Jimmy Lake wants to run? And right now, I'm not seeing it, and I'm also not seeing the coaches being able to 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 do the coaching and the teaching that's required to get this scheme done as well. So ultimately, this is a just a massive backfire on Jimmy Lake. I mean, this is Jimmy Lake putting this mandate together, but he's doing it with either coaches that are ill-equipped for the job or players that are ill-equipped for the job. Either way. It's not working. Scott, was there anything different on offense that we 
you know, can say was different than we saw a week ago against Montana? Uh, well, the receivers were a little bit better. Um, it was good to see uh, Terrell Bynum get out there and make some catches. 115 yards on five grabs, had the nice touchdown grab as well, had a one-handed uh, reception down the sidelines. You know, I mean, they have one of their most explosive playmakers back, and so I'd like to see a few more throws down the field to him early when it's when the game is still undecided and and something that could impact the game but uh you know other than that no not a lot other than the wide receivers having a few more more uh hands to throw the ball to did i see jalen mcmillan out there he did he played yep he he, i think he got in i counted about five plays but it wasn't a lot i think it was i think it was a bit early for him though i mean anybody who thought he was gonna contribute a lot after the the injury he suffered that you know, from, from what we've heard, you know, that he had surgery on his hand and, and if that's the case, I mean, coming back in, what was it? Four weeks. Uh, that was pretty quick. Am I just making things too simplistic, Chris? And am I just think, pointing the finger where it doesn't belong, but it just seems like to me, the offensive line's the problem. And if they can just shore that up, that's going to make a big difference. You're going to be able to open up the running game. You're going to be able to not get your quarterback hit all the time. You're going to give them a little more time, but is it that simple is, Getting the offensive line to improve? Well, Tim, ultimately, when it comes down to it, what makes every offense run? Execution. No, but you have to execute. And you have to execute in all the phases. The running backs have to do their job. The the tight ends have to do their job. The receivers have to do their job. But if if one piece isn't working, then it it basically fouls up the entire works. And right now, the offensive line isn't isn't cutting it. And so when they're not cutting it, everything else falls apart as a result. And it makes it look horrible. It makes the coaches look horrible. And it looks the whole it makes the whole thing look ridiculous. And so it all falls on top of each other if you're not executing. All they got to do is just start executing the thing. And and I don't know if that means you got to even just pare it back even more and try to get super, super simple. But it's just it's crazy because you could see in the third and fourth quarters, you could see guys. When, when Dylan Morris was able to get back to pass and, and Michigan wasn't trying to heat him up and they were just having kind of one-on-one blocking stuff, he had all day to throw because Michigan wasn't throwing stunts at him. They weren't throwing games at him at the line of scrimmage. They weren't trying to, to, to heat him up like they were earlier in the game because it, the, game's already, the game was already done by that point. And then they looked great. But when the game's in the balance and the defensive line is throwing all sorts of stuff at him – it's they just they are very they're ill-equipped and so ultimately I put that on Scott Huff I mean Scott I don't know what Scott Huff is coaching them nowadays but because he you're right Kim they have the talent the talent shouldn't be the issue this is not this is still basically the same group of guys they had in 2020 and if anything they've added to it and they have more experience so they have to figure out John Donovan Scott Huff all the offensive coaches they have to figure out a way to be able to execute something execute something simple something where they can just open a lane for a running back and do something because everything that was run between the tackles tonight felt like they were just running into a wall and that's just that's that's ridiculous that that can't happen when you're supposed to be trying to impose yourself with your run game scott do you think they're afraid to let dylan morris go do you think they've got some handcuffs on him because he's an inexperienced quarterback Hard to tell. Um, I mean, they didn't seem to ha- have it on him later in the game, but maybe that's because they felt the pressure that they needed to they were behind. open they were things behind. up a little bit. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think it was pretty obvious that they had some, some handcuffs on him, at least early on. But then again, it was his first road start ever. And it was in front of 107, 108,000 people. So in a maze out. And their offensive line wasn't, wasn't playing very well. So can you really let plays develop down the field? I, I don't know. Well, it's just kind of, you know, and like I said, I don't understand it, but you know, they're stacking the box and then the passes they're throwing are all behind the chains. And it just seems like, you know, in order to get a first down, you have to have a receiver catch the ball behind the chains and make a move and, you know, get those yards after catch. And, you know, you're, it just seems like Washington's, you know, uh, playing against a defense in a box and Washington's offense is trying to play in a box and it, it's just not working. I mean, it's just not working. I mean, they went the first half without a touchdown and made it six consecutive quarters without a touchdown. They only scored 10 points, you know, so that's 13 points in 10 games. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's 17 and, and points, and, but yeah. And yeah, you have to remember points. too, this is, this was all done. The scoring was pretty much done when it was out of, out of reach. I mean, when they scored their, their field goal was already 17, nothing. And that was yeah. more than enough points for this particular uh, defense at this point going against Washington, because first of all, they just, they, they don't have that explosive component. They showed a little bit of it in the, in the end of the third and fourth quarters, because like I said, Michigan was just kind of allowing them to kind of, be in the bend but don't break mode because they knew that Washington didn't have enough firepower to just all of a sudden score in a minute and and make it interesting. And then on top of it, when you have your when you have uh, a stop on third down and you give up the the taunting penalty like we talked about with Dominique Campton and that leads to a score that just underscores that um, you know coaching was a major failure in this game. I mean, we saw a lot of that kind of taunting and a lot of that kind of. Uh, gamesmanship in fall camp and we were told that that discipline was not going to be an issue and these types of things and then you see that play and it's like okay all right that's did uh <laughs> yeah did hampton return after that not that i'm aware of but he may him. have i did yeah, just I they just pointed him. to him on the sidelines a couple times you know when the after that touchdown uh hit and that was an issue so you know i just it didn't look like a lot of guys were rallying around him on the sidelines. I mean, he, he clearly knew he had made a mistake. Um, but it's it's kind of funny because you see those guys, and then when it happens, they, they are so like, you know what, me? I did something wrong? When it's like so blatant what he did. When you're that, bending at the waist yeah, yeah. to a guy on the ground, flags are going to get through every yeah. time. Yeah. Unless your hand is extended to help him up and – that's obviously wasn't wasn't what it was happening, but um, that uh, that was just a key turning point in the game. Michigan went down and scored a touchdown, and then the other one was the fake uh, field goal. Um, you know, it wasn't a big gain, but uh, Michigan converted on that, which was huge. You mean fake punt? Uh, the fake punt. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was early in the game, and and that. I mean, I, I guess maybe that was an early statement of intent by Harbaugh that he was willing to maybe take some chances, but the, you know, but the, the real damning thing is, and, and yeah, I, I don't want to just pile on Bob Gregory, you know, because he did say the number one thing that they had to do in the off season was stop the run and they couldn't stop anything tonight. 
as far as the run was concerned. I mean, you had one of their running backs go for 171 yards. The other running back went for 155. And that's the thing. It's like you can't, you can't have your defense be on the field for 34 minutes and then expect that to just be able to be stout for the entire time. Eventually, the dam was going to break. But the, the problem was the dam didn't really break at the end. The, the, the dam was always kind of getting breached slowly but surely over the course of the entire game. And, you know, how do you win by three touchdowns when your quarterback goes seven of 15 for 44 yards? Well, we saw it tonight. And it was because Michigan had a mandate to go out and run the ball and stuff it down Washington's throat and be physical and make a statement. And that's exactly what they did. And Washington took it. They get out physical again today, guys. Oh, every, every which way, every which way. Yeah. I, I would say that's pretty, pretty good read on it. They got out physical last week. Is that fair? Uh, Absolutely. Yes. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent there, but they, they did not play well. Yes. At the line of scrimmage, they got out physical by Montana. Yes. I, well, I'm not on the defensive yeah. side of the ball. Um, yeah. In the fourth quarter, when Montana wanted to run the ball and they wanted to kill the clock, they were able to do that. That when their quarterback went out of the game and Washington knew they were going to run the ball, they absolutely knew they were going to run the ball on like third and what, 12, whatever it was. And they got a first down. Yeah. Mm. That's getting out physical live scrimmage. Yeah. You know, just taking a look at the stats real quick, uh, Richard Newton, 12 carries for 24 yards, uh, Cam Davis, nine carries for 22 yards, Dylan Morris, um, 20 of 37 for 293 and a touchdown. Taj Davis, six receptions for 78 yards. Terrell Bynum, five for 15 with a touchdown. Uh, Giles Jackson, 115. 115. Uh, Giles Jackson, three for 49 yards. Kate Otten, three of 33. And just by the way, just when uh, Dylan Morris is in trouble, he tends to look at Kate Otten. It doesn't matter if Kate's triple covered sometimes, he's throwing it. Um, Eddie Olafosio, 13 tackles. Uh, Jackson Sermon with 12. Team-wise, uh, three total tackles for loss. No turnovers, no sacks. No sacks so far this season. They didn't have any against Montana, did they? Nope. Nope. They did not. To- 32 rushes for 50 yards. That's 1.6 yards per carry. Michigan, 56 attempts on the ground for 343 that's 6.1 yards per carry. So that's 1.6 yards for Washington, 6.1 for uh, Michigan. So, um, I mean, there it is. I mean, it was ground game. I mean, we knew, I think all of us knew going in that both teams wanted to establish the run and then play tough physical defense. One team was able to do it. The other team wasn't. Yeah, I think ultimately when it comes down to it, Michigan trusted their, their schemes, their philosophy – their players to get the job done by doing what they do best played to their strengths. And Washington doesn't have an identity right now. They have zero identity on the offensive side of the ball. They have a little bit more of an identity on the defensive side of the ball, but flat out when Michigan wanted to run the ball, they were able to run the ball flat out. And I thought Washington did a very nice job for the most part, but ultimately again, when you're when you only have to when you force, you know, or or you don't force the quarterback at Michigan to throw more than 15 times, you 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 haven't gotten the job done. 
you've allowed them to play to play to their strengths. You've allowed them to be one dimensional, but in the wrong way. And that's ultimately what I think they'll probably regret the most is that, you know, the whole off season was supposedly built toward trying to stop the run by putting an extra defensive lineman in there. They did that a lot today. Still didn't really factor in, in the final, in the final result. Scott, looking at this game, you know, and just looking at what Michigan did, that's what Washington wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> they just did. I mean, that's exact. The, what you saw from Michigan, that's what Jimmy Lake viewed this team as being able to do this year. It's just not happening. Yep. And and the thing is, I I would say this that Michigan uh, basically wore Washington down. I, I just think toward the end, I, I think the, the the defense knew they had to try and make make some plays, and they got out of their lanes and and things like that. They were playing the run relatively well early on. And uh, just didn't, just didn't, uh, just weren't able to hold up. You know, I'm, I'm still, I'm still of the opinion that this defense is, is a lot better than it's looked, especially this, this week. But, um, you know, they've got to get out there and prove it. Now, next week, Arkansas State, you know, those, those guys can throw it around a little bit. So I, I don't know if they can run it. And it, it, Washington has to figure out a way to stop that run, make them one dimensional. You want to make a team one dimensional, one way or the other. And until Washington is able to do that, uh, and tonight Michigan was one-dimensional. The problem is they chose to be one-dimensional because they were having so much success. Well, how much better is Washington's defense if their offense is able to score? Yeah, that's the thing. I I think their defense could play a little bit better because Michigan might not be able to just line up and hand it off and not worry about what the Husky offense is going to do. And, um, but at, at this point, they're going to have to they, – they need to cause a turnover. They need to strip the ball. They need to get a, a pick. They need to do something. And until that happens, it's going to be very, very tough offensively to score points. Well, this team isn't built to come from behind either. I mean, mm-hmm. I know they were able to do it last year against Utah, but if this team has to come from behind with the weapons and the tools that they have, I just don't see it happening. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't just, either. All right. Long, frustrating day at Michigan, and uh, it's going to be another interesting week for the fan base in Seattle. Even if they were to win next week against Arkansas State, it's still Arkansas State, and it's not going to be enough. Mm -hmm. So um, interesting time ahead. So uh, anything else that jumps out for you guys? Just Just the general idea that, you know, for we were talking about, you know, for those of us that might put the tin hat on and think that maybe to their detriment, they were holding something back against Montana and just maybe it just didn't happen, you know, or they waited too late or what have you. They didn't hold anything back. <laughs> they, they, I didn't see a lot of wrinkles in what they did against Michigan. I did not see a ton of new things. I saw a lot of running into the, into the wall, a couple of, a couple of plays to stretch. Um, you know, they did some more things down the field in the passing game. But again, that started to happen when the game was out of reach and Michigan was just kind of playing Ben, but don't break, just allow them a little bit of whatever. They were playing a little bit more, um, a little softer zones and things like that, which allowed uh, Morris time in the pocket for one thing. Uh, but even so, even when he had a little bit of time, like he had one first down uh, pass to Giles Jackson, where Jackson could have gone for 30, 40 yards. He was so wide open and he just, blitzed it right past i mean he wasn't even close to him and that 
kind of summed up the night for for Dylan Morris and the fact that showing just a, if you get a, a little bit more poise, just a little bit more presence, and just kind of just put the ball out there instead of having to drill it in 100 miles an hour, you can complete a pass and and make a big play and start to feel a little bit better about yourself and gain some confidence and gain the trust of uh, you know your uh, your uh, your team. So, but at this point, it's tough. You know, it's, it, it is what it is. And it, we knew it was going to be tough, especially after losing to Montana, but you know, you, you got to, you've got to somehow push through it and move on. And now you have a, a totally different animal in Arkansas state. And you're right. Ultimately guys, the, 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 they can win that game 45, nothing. And it's not going to change anybody's opinion of, of how they feel about guys like John Donovan and, and, and Scott Huff and Bob Gregory and all those guys, Th- those guys, um, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure there's a way back for those guys at this point to it first Scott, for a certain part of the fan base. Scott, everybody's player is the guy who's not playing. So, you know, uh, Sean McGrew seems to be his fan favorite right now. Make any difference with Sean McGrew in there? Absolutely not. Nope. I mean, would it be nice to maybe see if it would? Yeah, sure. I guess, but no, he's not going to do anything more than these guys did. No yeah. seams, no seams. I mean, it's There's like no I holes. keep on. Yeah. Yep. Like I said, I don't think Sean's any better running into brick balls than these guys. And uh, the other guy that seems to be the fan favorite, the teams are losing. Everybody wants to change a quarterback. Make a difference with putting Patrick O'Brien or Sam Heward in? Yeah, it could be worse. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It could be. It ain't going to be better. It ain't going to be better. Patrick O'Brien, I mean, he's a big guy who stands back in the pocket and throws the football. He's not mobile. And Sam Heward, I know he's a five-star. I think he's incredibly talented. Yep. I'm still believing he's going to be Great the starter. Future. Some... Yep. Yeah, I think, I think honestly, guys, I think it could be different. I think it could be different. I think some of the things that you talked about, Scott, with Dylan locking in on guys really early and not giving himself much of an option. And then when he starts to roll out, you see a lot of boots and, and throws out of bounds and things like that. We may not necessarily see a lot more of that from a guy like Sam Heward, but you're opening yourself up to a lot more interceptions, a lot more uh, risk-taking, which to be honest with you, I'm sure there's a lot of fans out there that are like, yeah, it can't get any worse. So why not take some chances? That's fine. But ultimately, the coaches are going to go with the guy that they trust and they think will be the best chance for them to run the offense. And clearly, they still think that's Dylan Morris right now. Could that be Sam Heward or Patrick O'Brien by Arkansas State? Yeah, I think so. I still think that competition is up for grabs no matter what. People were calling for Heward to be put in tonight. And I said, weren't you the same people clamoring for Hainer, Jake Hainer, at Cal in 2019? When Washington actually had a lead. Yeah. Sam would get killed out here. Yeah. He'd get killed. Yeah. He'd get not, killed. He's not ready. He is he's not, not ready. ready. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so uh, another interesting thing, you know, and I know it's a pandemic and things are different, but, uh, you know, we didn't get Jimmy Lake. We got him on Monday. We did not get in him uh, the day before they left. They left on Thursday, which is typically the day that we would, talking jimmy lake we did not get him we did not get john donovan we did not get scott huff we got neither one of those guys uh today we got two players and uh we got coach lake um it'll be interesting to see if we're able to get uh scott huff or john donovan yeah um, can guarantee you that junior adams will probably be the guy or durham cato 
will probably be the coaches that, that are available on, on uh, Tuesday. Um, and you're they've not, been, they've they been pretty ch- much giving us the same, they've been pretty much giving us the same coaches and the same guys every week. So well, they, they mean, choose who we get. No, we don't they, get to really request. Yeah. They've tightened it up. Guys, yeah, I was going to say, guys, as long as long as long as things are as toxic as they are right now and they keep losing, they're, they're going to close ranks. It's going to it's yep. not going to get better. It's going to get worse. Yep. Yeah. So, Don't expect it. I, I hope people just prepare themselves like you can be pissed, but don't don't expect anything more because it ain't going to happen. Final thoughts, Chris Fetters. Yeah, just uh, I, I predicted twenty seven ten. What was the result? Thirty one ten. It was about what I thought it was going to be. Um, I didn't think they Michigan was going to be able to run that well against Washington, but clearly they had a game plan in mind that they were going to shove it down Washington's throat, and they did that time and time and time again, and Washington took it, and they didn't really have a response. And it's hard to get a response sometimes when you have to be out there for 34 minutes. So I'm not going to place a ton of blame on the defense for this particular game, especially when the the offense laid such a huge egg so early on the game in the game, you know, when they have a chance, I mean, the, the best scenario for Michigan tonight would have been to win the toss defer and then put that defense out there in front of that maze out and just let them go to work. And that's exactly what happened. And Washington offered no resistance to it. I mean, it's a script you could have played out 10 times out of 10, knowing how this team was knowing how fragile the trust was and how fragile the confidence was and all the things that were going into this game. You could just see it happen, and you knew it was going to happen. So, unfortunately, it all played out, and now they've got to regroup and try to win a, win a game at, at this point. Um, we'll see where wins come from at this point. If the, if the offense, especially starting with the offensive line, can't do anything, they're going to be in for a real long season, and it already feels long. Final thoughts. Wrap it up. Yeah, uh, not not a lot different than Chris. You know, it's uh, the the offense looks terrible. This is not the offense we saw in in uh, in fall camp, and I don't know what's going to change that. Um, I, I I just don't know. Um, I think I'm at a loss. I think most people who cover this team are are at a loss to to give fans a real explanation of what's going on there. But um, yeah, it needs to change and it better change quickly because this team is in serious danger of missing a bowl game. And if people laugh at that, Hey, it's much easier to sell a program that, that made it to a bowl game and say, and is able to say, Hey, we need to do this and that we need to do a couple more things before uh, you know, before we can make it back and that, that push. But I mean, you're talking about a, a team that, I mean, it, and they can be beaten by anybody else on their, on, you know, any of the other 10 teams on their, on their schedule now. And, and uh, boy, that, that's going to be tough to take, especially for this fan base. You can see very empty Husky stadium. If you guys are wondering what all the background noise is, I'm actually sitting inside the stadium on the Husky bench at about the 40 yard line while they're trying to tear the stadium apart, as opposed to being in the media room, which is, quite claustrophobic a lot of people and not much ventilation in there so i'm kind of taking the safe route it's kind of mild and cool out here but for those of you who um were at the game um let me just um you you're going to understand what i'm saying but steve hutchinson was um a major guy before the stadium they honored steve hutchinson he was an all-american guard here he was a hall of famer for the seattle seahawks but 
a couple of things that really jump out at you at the stadium. Well, first of all, everybody knows it's huge. 108,340 was the um, announced attendance. But um, when you take a look around, there is not one bit of advertising in this entire stadium. Nothing. Not one advertisement. No, nothing. I mean, there is absolutely no advertising in here. The video boards during the break, they're focusing on the fans. They're playing songs that this, uh, you know, uh, that the uh, fans seem to know all the words for it. You know, there's a lot of fan engagement going on in here. It's a true college town here in Ann Arbor, and it feels like it. It doesn't feel like the corporate stuff that uh, we tend to get in a lot of the Pac-12 stadiums. But, you know, when you're selling 108,000 tickets and you've got revenues from 108,000 tickets, and then you've got additional, you know, what, $12 million more a year in TV money, you can afford to do the kind of stuff they're doing here, but uh, it's pretty impressive here. It just seems to go on forever. I mean, it's a big stadium, so uh, cool atmosphere. My hat's off to them. You know, really good, um, really good fans. Uh, I would say the stadium was about half full an hour before the game, and uh, I'd say most of the fans stayed until the end. So, really good atmosphere inside the stadium. And my hat's off to Michigan. They do it right here, so um, it's a cool atmosphere and a. Um, cool uh cool setting unfortunately huskies come out on the wrong end of the stick today at 31 to 10 loss to michigan so it's going to be a fun week in seattle on the message boards and on the site we will survive it so um back at it again on monday uh you know coach jimmy lakes i'm sure i'm sure the questions will be lined up so for all of us at dogman.com i'm kim grenolds along with chris fetters and scott eckland Go dogs.